Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. If I were to ask you this morning, what is your greatest battle? And where does it exist? I want you to think about that because I, I don't want to be a, uh, just a communicator one way. I want dialogue, even though you may not get to speak while I'm preaching. I want your inner world to respond. So I, I want you to, at the beginning, really, we're at the beginning of a new season, 2017. If I said to you, what, what is your greatest challenge right now? What is the greatest mountain? What is the thing that you look at and say, oh, my God, we need a miracle there? And where does it exist? You might go, well, actually, it was a doctor's report we just received, or it's a family member or something like that. You know, I feel like God has been challenging me over recent uh, months to realign my thinking according to the way that he thinks. And my seeing according to the way that he sees rather than what I do naturally. And bring that into alignment. And I, I want to begin this morning out of uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. You'll know these verses well, but even if you've heard them preached many times or you know them off by heart, I want you to be encouraged with me as I speak to stop and think about it. And Paul obviously writes and he says, I beseech you, or I, I, basically he was saying, I want to take you this morning and I want to shake you. I, I don't want you to come to church and just hear another sermon, but I urge you I invoke you I this is really important stuff is what he's saying brethren people that believe in God by the mercies of God that you live a life where you present your bodies your human existence a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God because that's your reasonable service in other words it's kind of like you know you Christians are pretty full-on no this is just normal living is that we lay down who we are for who he is. And it's in a year where I believe, you know, God is wanting us to exchange where the authority lies. It's a year where God is saying, you know what, you're going to have some miracles you've been believing for for many years because you're going to understand that it's not about your strength, but it's actually about my strength. But I need you to adjust some of the way that you operate. And, you know, having worked with people for my whole life, basically, uh, it's amazing to me how often people go, you know what, you know, when I get through this, it's going to be very different for me. Or when I get that preparation or when I just get through the season, you know what, God, I'm going to be in that place where it's going to be so different that you can really use me and I'll be available and I'm there. And I go, I don't know that that's a biblical way of approaching things. Because again, the Bible says that we are not to be, verse 2, conformed to this world. The word conformed is to become fashioned the longer you're a Christian the more you become fashioned according to the environment you choose and it's kind of like do not be conformed or fit into the mold of the way that this world operates but it says but be transformed how not by the change of your circumstance not because the miracle that is needed is out there. It's basically Paul writes and says, your miracle happens in here. That the birthplace of the supernatural happens with a shift in your thinking 
And without even knowing it, you're acting like the rest of the world because you reckon it's all out there. If only I got that job and got that money and if only that happened and only that prognosis didn't come. And it's like God says, no, 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 no. You're in a world, but you need to be transformed by a change of thinking. In fact, your mind needs to be challenged not to think the way that everybody else thinks. And if you do think correctly, come on, you will prove what is the good, the acceptable, perfect will of God. You know what the word renewed mind means? Renovated mind. That's why we are in a renovation process. Don't be the kind of Christian that turns up to church and thinks it's all going to happen on one altar call. How many know if you've ever renovated something, it always takes a lot more than what you think? Anybody ever done a renovation? It's like, oh, you know, we'll knock this out in a week. Three weeks later, oh, flip. Why did we ever start this thing? It would have been easier to build from you. So when you begin to read this, you've got to realize God says, this isn't going to happen overnight, but you've got to renovate your thinking because your thinking is the platform on where God is going to move. And, you know, I find myself going to God's Word all the time. How many do we have that are married here? Okay, some of you are a bit hesitant. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, Marie and I have been married 35 years this year. She, I mean, she struck, she struck the jackpot. There's no doubt about it. No, no. I struck the jackpot. We both struck. Anyway, ma- marriage. How many know when you fall in love, it's like, we just can't wait to get married. It's just going to be amazing. Then you realize... Renovation is needed. And you know, I've had people come to me and they say, look, we surrendered our marriage to God and we prayed God's blessing on it. But boy, is it tough. And I found myself just reading again Genesis. You know, the two, we read this at marriage. The two will become one flesh. Have you ever stopped to think about the word become? Just because you get married and older, you aren't one flesh. You begin the journey. And I just want to encourage you. You know, oh, well, I've been a Christian for a long time. Yeah, well, I have too. Don't you ever get stuck in your thinking. Because God wants to take you and he literally wants to change the way that we think. Verse 3 of the same chapter, Paul goes on. He says, for I say through the grace given to me, every one of you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But I want you to start thinking soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. In other words, I feel like Paul was writing and saying, come on, the key to a year that is beyond what we could ever imagine is that we're going to bring our thinking into a God-defined runway. I do a lot of travel on planes. I'm thankful when the plane hits the runway. Because how many know if it hits the runway... You're doing all right. People always say when they pick me up, have a good flight. I said, it landed. And it landed on the runway. There is a lot, come on, there's a lot of your thinking currently because there's a lot in my thinking that's outside the runway. And we want to take off to a new level and we want to land correctly. But our thinking is outside the runway and the lights highlight the runway from afar. And that's why the Word of God comes to us and it's kind of like, I just want to encourage you, could we commit this year to being a year where we actually uh, uh, com- commit before God and say, God, we're going to think the way you think, see the way you think, and the stinking thinking, we're going to start dropping that off. It's kind of like, well, that, that's okay for you, but it'll never happen for me. No, no, that's outside the runway. 
It's like, well, it's been like this for a long time. It will never change. No, 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 that's outside the runway. It's kind of like, yeah, it might be hard and you can't see the end of the renovation, but you've got to renew your mind. Did you realize that your mind is able to process 800 memories every second? So if you live for 75 years, that's a lot of memories that your mind can process. Every second, your mind has a capacity to process 800 memories. And yet we go, oh, well, I'm just thinking that doesn't hurt anybody. No, 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 it does. It's setting patterns for the future. Uh, you know, I, I did this series in our church, and this is the first message out of it called Brainwashed. Because people kept saying, you know, the trouble with Christians is you're brainwashed. And I used to say, no, we're not. Whereas now I go, yes, we are. We actually renew our mind by thinking God's way, and that doesn't seem to be the way of the world. And the fact is, even if you don't like this this morning, do you know you're, you're brainwashed? The question is, who's teaching you to think that way? Come on, what is telling you how you should think or not and come to a place where, no, God, I want a life that's a breakthrough life. See, let me put it like this. It is impossible to experience a positive tomorrow with a negative today. You think negative today. You're bringing that negativity into the platform of your tomorrow. It's weaved into the fabric of it. Here's another thought. Every one of us live out our most dominating thought. Let me say it again. You are currently living out your most dominating thought. Well, I've never been really cared for. I haven't got what my sister's got. Hey, that's 50 years ago that thought began. Rather than going, no, I'm a child of God. And I haven't arrived yet, but I'm in the renovation process. And I am becoming the child of God that God designed me to be. And so even when I fall, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And when we fall, he upholds us. And it's like, I'm not going to allow the wrong way of thinking. And we need to set a path to renew our minds. This this word renew or transformed, as you know, is metamorpho, which is the, the primary picture is a, a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. You've got to be comfortable in the cocoon. But begin to think like a butterfly. As God takes you to a new level, because if you carry the same way you thought up to this point in your life, I'm sorry, your future is going to be an echo of the same. But if we could be come somebody that has the mind of Christ come to us. Well, we did a crazy thing some years ago. Uh, I was sitting in a room with our key team and we needed to raise some money for our community arm. And so we're saying, well, what could we do? How, you know, what's a bit good way? And one of the guys says, well, why don't we do sort of a church-wide five-kilometer run? And I go, everybody does that. Well, why don't we do something? Because we need to raise a lot of money. We had to raise something like $600,000. And it's like, we'll never do it unless we do something crazy. They would say, well, what are you thinking, Pastor? And I go, I don't know. I said, you know, there was about eight or 10 of us there. I, I, I go, why, why don't we get on push bikes and ride from the top of New Zealand to Auckland? The room just went quiet. They said, well, how far is that? I said, it's about 660 kilometers. We could leave church Sunday night after the service. Right up to the top of New Zealand, it's about an eight-hour trip. Have a bit of sleep, jump on the bike in the morning, and by faith, ride back to Auckland. 
Come on, six days riding, 100 kilometers a day, thereabouts, a little bit more. I never thought about the mountain. I never thought about the mountains in New Zealand. I never considered that I hadn't been on a push bike since I was a kid. We didn't even stop and think about the timing of it. They said, when will we do it? I said, oh, let's do it in July, middle of winter. It was the only space in the calendar. And they looked at me, so who's going to do it? I said, we're all in. They go, okay. Anyway, long story short. So everybody starts training. It's about six months out. And uh, in fact, we opened it up to some others. 25 people of us signed up, the core team and, and others that love to bike. And they all do the training. Well, I go to the gym because I haven't been on a bike for a long time. I get onto one of those bikes and they feel very uncomfortable. And uh, I start doing 20 kilometers. I get it up to 20 kilometers. Again, big story short, before we did the ride, I had done a total of 500 kilometers training. We're about to do 600 in a week. Over 100 every day up and down hills. And it's like, I just didn't think it through. I got the flu the week before we left. So I'm preaching on the Sunday, you know, everything's running and all that kind of stuff. And then we had to drive all the way up and I just didn't know where I was. And it was just like, this is kind of crazy, I think. And uh, in fact, the month before we left, I was away ministering internationally for three weeks. So I didn't even get on a bike. Anyway, we turned up. We've got all of our jerseys on, all printed up, everything there. Everything's, everything's positive and everything's ready to go. I'm sitting on the start line and there we are, up top of New Zealand. Six days to go. And I said to one of the older guys, about the same age as me, and I just said, oh, so have you done much training? He wasn't on team. He was someone that was coming. He said, oh, a little bit. I said, how much you done? He said, five to 6,000 kilometers. <laughs> right then I knew I was in trouble. Because kind of like, the seat didn't feel good. I had done a total of 500 kilometers. It was cold. But it was a start, so we were ready to go. I think we got the first picture up there. We were up and underway, and it was like, this is pretty cool. You know, everybody's happy, and it's like, we can do this. We're going to raise some money. Second picture. You know, as we moved on, there's Scotty Thornton. Had no choice. Rain came. Winds blew. I didn't even think there were mountains. It was like, it's an amazing thing, isn't it, when you decide that you're going to have a shift You're going to see this year be something you've never seen before. You know where the attack's going to come? Before it comes to you physically, it's going to come to you mentally. And I began, even in that first day, going, oh my gosh. I thought we could do this. I've never had my, if I, I'm not being crass, but I've never had my bottom speak to me before. <laughs> If you've, been, if you've been on a road bike, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, I wasn't even designed for this. Anyway, long story short, we get to the end of the first day. Marie's come and she's in the support crew and uh, I get off the bike after about eight hours. And um, again, I had to put cream where I never thought cream would go. I had welts where welts should not be, and it was day one. I got on day two, next picture, and you know, it's kind of like, some of these guys were ready to go, but I was not one of them. 
In fact, the guy that you see on the screen there, a guy called Marshall, he said to me, he said to somebody else rather, at the end of the first day, you know, Pastor Paul, I don't think he's going to make it. Which how many know that helps me a lot? Because I go, okay, big boy, you just see what we can do. I was no longer doing it to raise money for the community. I... It's kind of like, you're in trouble, mate. Yeah, you laugh like that. I'll show you a thing or two. I now have three pairs of bike pants on. And I, this is all true. I'm slip sliding away. And I'm, I'm just going, going away. Week three, next, next picture, day three. I'm blistered, exhausted. And yet we have to keep going. You've you got to get this. This is over 100 kilometers a day. One day, it rained the whole time. Next picture. Day four. I said at the start of day four. So how many hills have we got today, guys? They said, we've got five. And I go, five. I, I don't even think I can get past the first 10 minutes. We, we were about three hours into the day, and I go, there were a lot more than five hills. You know what they said? We haven't hit one of the five yet. There was one climb, this is, this is no exaggeration, that was seven kilometers without leveling. Day six, we got to a two-kilometer climb that was just all gravel. I was completely exhausted. The only thing, literally, that was keeping me going is the words of Marshall. And the bikes came towards two kilometers up the gravel, and I just got to a point of pure exhaustion. Listen to this. And I just said, I can't. I can't. Marie and the team were in a couple of vans, and so they pulled up, and I had stopped, and I got off. The other guys were sort of weaving their ways. It was so steep and gravel. And I said, I I need to put my bike in the van. If you know me, that's not me. If it needs to be done, we're going to do it. But I had got past the point and my mind had convinced me that was it. So I put my bike in the van and they took us to the top. And on the way to the top, it was like I felt like I'd failed. I felt like I'd given up. But then I felt like, you know what, I've got to make a decision once I get to the top. What am I going to do? So I made a decision to get back on the bike. And to get back on with what I had committed myself to do. And I think, actually, for me, that was one of the biggest parts of the journey. Is that my mind had convinced me and I gave in, but I didn't stay there. Come on, I got back on the bike. And then day six was Saturday morning, because we had to be back for church on Sunday. We came into Auckland. And, yep, we'd had a lot of casualties and things had gone wrong. But the final picture, you know, the elevation of coming into Auckland, having done 660 kilometers on the bike with just a two-kilometer break. You know, and I wonder sometimes when I think back to that, how much the enemy has lied to us. And so we've committed because it's really tough, not just to get in the van, but to stay in it. And yet God wants you to realize that your future will be changed by a different way of thinking. That you can't allow, you know, again, your own failures or the things that are around you 
We, we know this verse, and I think we know it so well, we don't listen to it. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, as a person thinks in their heart. That's who they are. And it's kind of like, well, God, you need to change the way that I think. And we need to know not just what to think, but how to think. And uh, let me give you three things that I'd love you to take away very quickly about what it is to really allow your mind to be washed by God. I think we've got to understand, number one, that our minds are Satan's battlefield. That's who he come, That's where he comes to. He comes to our thinking. He looks at who we are. And one of the schemes of the enemy is to attack your area of thinking. I don't have time to get into it, but remember the enemy came to Adam and Eve. Remember that? And he said, has God said? I'm going to question the integrity of God's word. And long story short, Eve takes the fruit because she believes it's going to make her more wise. The moment she takes the fruit, she realizes that what God said is true because the relationship is severed between them and God. And they realize they're naked. Remember? And so they run and they hide behind rocks and God calls to them in the middle of the afternoon and he says, where are you? I, I kind of feel there are some people here at chapel this morning that God's saying, well, so where are you? What, why have you closed the door to the van? Why, why, why have you allowed what you failed at or, or what you've been through to, to dominate how you see yourself and how I see you? And when they knew that they could no longer be hidden, listen to this, they come with fig leaves covering their nakedness and they said, we were afraid because we heard your voice in the garden. Where did that come from? I never taught you to be fearful. I never taught you that actually your failure would disqualify you. And we were naked, so we hid ourselves in the garden. You know, listen to this thought. God says to them, who told you you were naked? Come on today. Who told you you couldn't do that? Who told you it would never change? Who told you? Just because you're not seeing it yet, that it will never transform into something of God's glory. Who told you that? Who told you that just because you got off your bike, you don't deserve to be in the race? Who told you because somebody hurt you that you couldn't trust again? Come on, who told you that your marriage is over? Who told you that you can't see a year like you've never seen before? And I get pretty wound up, as you can imagine, because the serpent is working all of us. And in fact, he uses deception to limit us. And I just want to encourage you that we've got to realize our minds are Satan's battlefields. Who told you God can't forgive you? Who told you if you got honest, it would destroy you? Come on. So what you're thinking? Because the enemy, your problem's not what's out there and what's happened out there. His battlefield is your mind. That's why be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Come on, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's the second one. Did you know that our minds are the future's birthplace? You get your thinking right. You're already birthing a greater tomorrow. And so the enemy knows that if your thinking gets aligned to God's word, as I said, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your thinking is your soil. I can't explain why certain things happen. All I know is there's an active enemy. Today there will be some of us in this room that have had some pretty catastrophic things happen to us. And we didn't realize, but it was that catastrophe, that unexpected thing that you go, well, God, where were you in that? And so we got into the van. 
You know, the enemy's going to use the unexpected to isolate us. And I want to just encourage you today to think about, no, you know, my thinking, my response is so important because it's the enemy's battlefield, but it's also my future's birthplace. So I have to align my thinking with the purposes of God, no matter what I see or I don't. I've got to actually get back on the track and say, no, God, you're going to take hold of everything we've been through. I think her spirit, for me at least, is just like, wow, that's the fact of who we are. It brings me to the last thought about our minds and that our minds remain under our authority. Did you know that you can't blame anybody else for the way that you think? And that's where it sort of really comes home because we often use the excuses of the things that happened out there as to why we're where we're at today. Whereas I've come to realize when I had no confidence, I had to take the word of God and go, no, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I had to renew my mind because my mind is under my authority. I want, I want you to, once you settle that, you can't keep pointing the finger at excuses. You've got to say, no, I'm actually going to have a shift in how I see life. I don't feel always, come on, energized. I don't, I don't, I feel anger is what Diane was saying. But I choose not to live in anger. I choose to be somebody that is going to allow God to take this and help others with it. And by the way, your mind can be retrained. Our brain needs to be retrained. It's kind of like God wants to take us and turn us. And, and you know, we're, we're in a world, as I bring this to a close, uh, and maybe Fiona, you can come and join me. But we're in a world that, that is telling and giving us a lie. Here's the lie. It's telling our children, teenagers, here's the lie. You are what you feel. It's one of the biggest deceptions humanity has ever seen. You are what you feel. You are not what you feel. You are who God says you are. And when you get that right, come on, God is going to bring you to an understanding of feeling freedom and knowing freedom. But if I live what I feel, I'd be an ugly person. I'd be a dangerous person. So I don't live what I feel. I get the word of God and I begin to think correctly about who I am. And when you begin to adjust that, then everything begins to change. See, the enemy wants to remove the foundation of right choices, of endurance, creating God-centered outcomes. And if you say, well, that's easy for you to say, Paul, you're a pastor. No, I'm a human first. Well, have you got a foundation in Scripture? Yep. Philippians 2 verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I'm sorry, I'm not going to make it easy. You determine how you think. And so when I go, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to choose to think right about this. Then it goes on and it says, again, Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. It's kind of like I begin to realize that I am one of God's kids, that God is for me. Yes, I'm in the renovation and I haven't seen it yet, but I'm not going to give up or I'm not going to just allow myself. I am the guardian of the way I think. Come on, I am the guardian of the way I think. And I think if we could capture that, 
you know, God would begin to do things that we've been asking for so much quicker because the battleground I see is not out there. It's in here. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 